MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, October 7th, 2019. Today, SCOTUS takes up the Louisiana abortion case. RBG has some words about the times. A Republican senator says he knows about the Ukraine quid pro quo. Trump demands a full House vote on impeachment. Joni Ernst is grilled at a town hall and much more. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. Great. Yeah. We are in Burbank right now. We're recording at Starburns Audio. We were up here last night for Steph Miller's impeachment party. Oh, my God. So good. We saw Frances Fisher. We saw Judy Tenuta. And I got to meet like one of my heroes, Lily Tomlin. I was not there early enough for that. And her partner, Jane. Oh, my gosh. So jealous. Amazing. Um, I had probably too much fun. Yeah, it was good fun. <laughs> I think my favorite part was the dance floor. Yeah, and the uh, the the singer I forget her name. She was great though. She was like impromptu singing lines about impeachment. She yeah. was like, "Get this orange motherfucker out of this White House." Yeah, <laughs> it was like, was like a funk freestyling yeah. impeachment song. It was, it was like impeachment scat. Yeah. Impeachment it scat. Was so it was good. Yeah. Uh, also, the dogs were oh, a highlight yes. of my evening. Yeah, when she brought who she let the dogs out and <laughs> when she brought them down, oh, they're just so amazing. She has great Pyrenees. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with a great peer and ju- they're just amazing. Just two giant snowy white beasts. In that- comparison to my 12-pound schnoodle, I was like, this is a pony. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how she advertised them on the email. Yeah. She was like a pony-sized pony dog. Yes, yeah. <laughs> pony-sized dogs. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Oh, it was amazing. So I'm I'm really glad that we got to do that and dance a little bit and let off some steam. And I do realize, you know, I don't want you to think that impeachment isn't a very sober, um, important and meaningful and sad thing. But last night it was anything but sober. So, yeah. You know, I feel like everything we've been going through is the sad stuff and impeachment kind of is the time to party. Yeah. But that's just me. My revolution involves dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and pony-sized dogs. And impeachment yeah. scat. It's like, obviously, yeah, obviously it's sad, but it's going to be way fucking better. Yeah. And I, I mean, we were edged for so many years, honestly. Mm-hmm. We, were, mm-hmm. we were just like, it was tantric impeachment. Mm-hmm. I, I think also, like, we're allowed to be joyful about this a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, about the thought of even if he's not convicted and ousted, yeah. the fact that he's going to be impeached, which is the job and the duty of, of the Congress under the Constitution mm-hmm. when shit like this. Because if you don't impeach him, who do you impeach? Like, mm-hmm. who's it for? Right. Wh- what's it even for? Seriously. It makes me wonder what the 25th Amendment is also for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was just specifically for jo- for George Bush. Or- yeah. <laughs> I think they need to add in there if you put like fucking expletives in caps on your Twitter, then the 25th can be invoked. Yeah. yeah. He was like, bullshit. You yeah. pompous ass bullshit. You're like, okay, Jesus. I can tweet that, but maybe not you. Yeah. For our next president, when you like an addendum to the 25th amendment, like this will be invoked <laughs> if you tweet in all caps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 26th amendment. No, that's a different amendment. <laughs> 25A. Well, yeah, 25A. Yeah. Tw- 25 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's tweeting like a freaking. Jack Daniels wielding crazy aunt. 
Yeah. Just like, <laughs> do you have one of those, Jordan? <laughs> I actually don't. But with the. But that's a very clear image for some reason yeah, in my mind. But with yeah, the yeah. tiny airplane bottle of yeah. Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> that you know she stole from a motel. Yeah. <laughs> And she's cut off, and she's trying to like logically argue her way into more tiny bottles <laughs> on the airplane. Tiny I just want one more. bottles <laughs> on the airplane. Okay, uh, we do have actually some news. Yeah, um, the news. So many news, by the way. So let's get to it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, let's get updated on the impeachment inquiry. First of all, there's several stories that dropped over the weekend. Just, I mean, because we record Thursday afternoon for the Friday's Beans. And then everything that happens Friday, you get that today. And Thursday night, after we recorded three committee chairs of the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee, Intelligence Committee, and Oversight Committee, uh, Engel, Schiff, and Cummings, released a bunch of text messages between State Department officials and, and the Ukraine, or Ukraine, excuse me, that not only spelled out the quid pro quo, but that they were aiming for, on behalf of the White House, uh, to actually craft a message for Ukraine to say. And we see Trump trying to propagandize that message, uh, basically that Russia did not hack the 2016 election by having, you know, like I said, having the State Department craft this statement for Ukraine to say as much in, in a press conference. And that was contingent on, a, you know, if you want to visit the White House, which will give you some standing in the world as a new president, you're going to have to do this. And Ugh. in these texts... We see Volker and Sondland telling a Zelensky aide named Yermak or Yerkman, something, jerk, jerk off, (laughs) jerk off, Um, (laughs) that the White House visit was contingent. He's probably a nice fellow. I don't mean to. No, jerk off just sounds like a Ukrainian name. (laughs) Now we're going to get emails. I know. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Don't be a little the proud. Jerk off. Um, Yakov Shmirnov, but that guy was Russian. You remember that guy? What a country. (laughs) Okay. He could have been in that party last night. I mean, Uh Judy Tenuta and Lily Tomlin were there. Uh, So anyway, um, actually, can you look up his name? I think it's Yerkman or Yermak. Look up Volker, Sondland, and Yermak, and it it should correct it for you. With a Y? Yeah. Yerkman, Yermak. Jerk off. Um... Uh, your your Mac, your Mac, A- Andre your Mac, Andre your Mac. Yeah, my Mac, your Mac. I got it. I was right. <laughs> I have Yerkman in my notes. Yerkman, <laughs> great. <laughs> oh, sometimes. Uh, so anyway, Volker and Sondland were telling uh, your Mac that the White House visit was contingent upon Zelensky convincing Trump that he will investigate what happened in 2016, get to the bottom of, and they even put it in quotes, right? Another bombshell from the texts that we learned uh, is that the U.S. helped shape a statement from Ukraine mentioning the Biden probe. And that's the propaganda that I was mentioning. We all know that if Trump says Russia didn't hack the 2016 election, no one believes him. But if he can get the leader of another country to say it or at least question it, he may be able to convince others that it's true so he can achieve his ultimate goal of lifting the election interference sanctions Mm -hmm. on Russia. So Ukraine uh, said that they would make a statement once they had the White House visit date. And then it was sort of like one of those handoff, kidnapping handoff things, like you got the money, hand over to the girl, give me the money first. It was like, give us the White House date and and we'll... We'll do the press conference. No, do the press conference and we'll give you the White House date. And Volker and this guy named Bill Taylor was ultimately concerned that they would give the press conference and then that the the aid or the White House visit would not be given. Mm -hmm. 
And that would be Russia's ultimate wet dream. And they actually like mm. didn't say wet dream, but they yeah. said that would be so great for Russia. Mm-hmm. And then I quit if that happens. Like what? Ha- that's my nightmare scenario is what this Bill Taylor fellow was saying. Mm-hmm. But our State Department was trying to get Ukraine to make that statement before they set the White House visit date. But neither the visit nor the statement ever happened. And it's not clear why. But our State Department sent texts to ensure Burisma was mentioned as well as the 2016 election. And that was specifically Volcker that sent that message. And Burisma is the company that Hunter Biden sat mm-hmm. on the board of. It's the gas uh, company in Ukraine. Um, and so that when when you hear Burisma in these texts, or I really recommend you read these texts. They're mind-blowing. But when you see Burisma in there, that's Biden. It's fair to say then that Zelensky was at least willing to contemplate the this idea of playing ball. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's disappointing. That's well, hugely disappointing. He, can't, he doesn't have a choice. I mean, you have to have the United States on your side. Otherwise, your entire NATO support system and EU support system could fall apart. Yeah. You won't get the $400 million mm-hmm. in aid that you need to to prevent Russia from. That's why Zelensky had that look on his face yeah. during that press conference when he's like, you should make a deal with Putin. I think it'd be great. We should have peace because he wants to have peace in Ukraine so that he can lift the, those sanctions, the the annexation, Crimea's annexation sanctions. Yeah. But Zelensky doesn't really have a choice here. Yeah, he, It's like the power struggle. It's like when your boss, you know, tries to get you to do something um, sexually awful. <laughs> and you if you want your job, you have to do it. You know, it's like that power play. Yeah. I mean, a lot of countries are forced into a corner by the United States because of the size of your military and the financial power that this country mm-hmm. has. Yeah. I mean, Zelensky and the Ukrainians need the military assistance from the U.S., especially in the position they're in next to Russia and all the conflict they've had recently. You know, he probably I'm sure he doesn't like Trump and didn't want to do that. But mm-hmm. you don't have much of an option when you're talking about withholding four hundred million dollars yeah. in military aid. I moved yeah. on Ukraine like a bitch. Yeah, it's not like they did it either. He, he grabbed, it's he not grabbed like they Ukra- started the investigations or anything. He I was have trying just, not to. It's uh, he clear. actually just announced that he is. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he grabbed Ukraine by the pussy is basically cool. what happened. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I've just been seeing tweets also from other people that I imagine are Ukrainian or have some connection to Ukraine because it's like from a very first person perspective, kind of just saying that, that it's like... He was this beacon. Yeah, like he was like supposed to be a beacon of change or continued change in their country, right? They've like had such a rocky last. He played piano as long as they've existed. He played piano with his dick. Really? (laughs) Have you not seen this, Jordan? (laughs) On the show? Look, I don't know a lot about Zelensky. (laughs) I I really have only been learning about him recently, but I don't know if it was on John Oliver or John Myers. It was John Oliver. Yeah, they showed this (laughs) clip. like a comedian and an entertainer before yeah. he got into politics right like everybody now mm-hmm. yeah, and definitely. there's a video of him on sort of like i don't know ukraine's got talent or something and he's playing a piano with his dick amazing you but gotta he, go watch it yeah. so then's keys <laughs> <laughs> wasn't like the whole i didn't watch the show that he was a part of but i thought that the premise of it was anti you know corruption and, and like people taking Oh, where he played the president? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that was that show that he played the, the dick piano, but I think... Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, but he, yeah, sorry, yeah, but his just, other show. I'm just turning left here. But. Yeah, the <laughs> Zelensky. <laughs> oh, shit. So, uh, coming back to this, though, so the Ukrainians are now investigating the Bidens? They've made an announcement that they they're just investigating corruption oh. in general. Okay. And it doesn't really look like the um, the message that they were trying to craft, uh, but it, it it does have the have elements of it. So mm-hmm. it's it's just weird that he would come out now and say it. 
uh, mm-hmm. after this, after all this is coming out. But yeah. um, I, I mean, if I were him, I'd be like, <clears throat> he was trying to blackmail us and, right. and I'm not going to stand for it. Right. I think that that's what some people, that's kind of the sentiment that I'm picking up on is, yeah. is that there are some folks that would wish that yeah. that's what would happen. Because the then, EU would still back him. Right. Yeah. Right. But then, like you said, if the aid that we give them is just so indispensable for them at this point in time, then I feel like he could get 400 million from somewhere else. Yeah. But also keep in mind, he might be wondering what happens if Trump gets reelected. Mm-hmm. Because if you stop playing ball and Trump doesn't go anywhere. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, it's all well and good for us to say, why are you doing this? Why are you helping us out? Why are you not on our side? Because but then sh- because then it's the United States and Russia versus Ukraine. But right. but it already is like you're already there. Yeah. Why don't you just stand up and, and bring it all out and mm-hmm. make it a thing? But I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what kind of Seriously. position he's in. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. If we have any um, Ukrainian listeners or anyone that has any insight into that, yeah. please hit us up and Would let us know. Because I, I have no idea other than what I see on Twitter. Yeah. I saw a clip last week of uh, some uh, American correspondent who was in Kiev and he was like, a lot of Ukrainians like just don't want to be involved in this. They do not want to be put between these two countries. And they just like it was my sense that a couple weeks ago when this first kind of broke, they were like, please keep us out of it. But now it's unavoidable. It's probably they're much more in it now. And I'm very curious to hear some Ukrainian perspective on this whole situation. And Ukraine's gotten one point five billion dollars in aid from us since 2014. We're probably their number one backers. I know Mm -hmm. EU does a lot. I think they've Mm -hmm. given them one point six billion, which is a a tiny bit more. But like they they really do. They need us. We're half of their I think we're about half of their um, funding for yeah, half of their help. Mm-hmm. And so if we're not there anymore, but it already seems like we're not. So even still, though, let's say that they do start this investigation like they said they're going to. Do you think Trump is really going to be happy until they have an actual indictment going through against Hunter Biden? I think all Trump, uh, if Trump can at least get a statement that they're questioning the findings of Russia hacking the American election, if they can even just get that questioned publicly I think that that would probably, you know, but I mean, he would just keep pushing for other shit. Mm-hmm. There's no end to it. I don't. Yeah. Think. It's kind of like negotiating with a terrorist at that point. Yeah. And it's like it, something you don't even want to engage in because to what end? And we were talking to Jack Bryan last night, um, writer, director for Active Measures. He was there at the party with us and, and he was talking about like, imagine you're Trump and you're sitting there and you're seeing all this money go to all these countries. And your first thought being Trump, being who he is, mm-hmm. is how can I benefit from this? You know, like that's his number one thought. Like, I'm, why am I giving all this money away without getting anything for myself? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's just how he operates. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> yeah, that's totally his language on like NATO and mm-hmm. just all of these. Yeah, that's that's his whole thing is like, what what more can you do for me? Yeah. He treats everything like a business deal as opposed to a politician mm-hmm. or a or a, a decent human. Or a, a extortion. He treats everything like extortion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but finally, there was a suggestion in these texts that the four hundred million in aid that we were talking about was used as leverage, along with an attempt to hide that fact. So it wasn't just that the that the four hundred million was used as leverage; it's that they tried to cover it up. So Taylor, the U.S. official in Ukraine, texted Sondland, uh, and Taylor's the good guy here. Sondland's the dick. And, and Taylor says, are we now saying that security assistance and White House meetings are conditioned on investigations? Plural investigations, meaning Burisma, Biden and the 2016 election, not just one or the other. And Sondland replied, call me. 
And call me is what you do when you don't want a record of what is said. <laughs> yeah, when you're smart. Yeah. But Taylor followed up in a text saying, as I, after like they had this weird meeting that somebody couldn't hear somebody on, um, Taylor, the good guy, said, as I said on the phone, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for help with a political campaign. Like he says those he just words. He wants to go on record. So if those get subpoenaed, he looks fine. <laughs> yeah. Or because he actually meant that. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's basically going to paper, which we've talked to Andy mm-hmm. McCabe about several times. When, for example, when Mueller wrote that letter about Barr's summary of the Mueller report, that's unheard of for him to go to paper like that. Usually you just pick up the phone and say, bro, fuck, you know, what, what are you doing? But he wrote a letter so that it, it, there is a record of it. And this is kind of what he's doing, like you said, in this text. And so he sent that. Are you saying, I think it's, I think it's crazy to withhold security assistance for political a political help with a political campaign. And then five hours later, presumably after Sondland sought advice from either the State Department or the White House, he replied with this canned talking point <clears throat> saying Taylor's understanding of the situation was incorrect and Trump never wanted a quid pro quo. And he added, I suggest we stop texting. <laughs> like, I bet you do. <laughs> why would you put that in there? Yeah. Because now that's in text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Follow me over to WhatsApp. <laughs> Should we go to Telegram? Yeah. Manafort taught me how to folder. Let's go try that. Mm-hmm. Just put it, just write it down. Um, that would be great. Um, so, yeah, for more on, the, on these text messages, we did an interview with Asha Rangappa, uh, former FBI special agent, lawyer, awesome person, on the Mueller She Wrote. Uh, episode from Sunday night. So if you if you want to hear that, it's like a 25 minute interview. And she talks about the, the propaganda, the dark propaganda that he's trying to push and why and to what end. And he, she talks about Manafort. He's involved in this. It's, it's all pretty crazy. So check out that interview. Uh, we also learned Friday that a second criminal referral was made to the Department of Justice about the Ukraine scandal. The first criminal referral, which we've talked about, was made by the uh, ICIG or the Intelligence Community Inspector General. And that was wholly ignored by the Department of Justice. But we are now learning that the CIA's top lawyer also made a criminal referral. Courtney Elwood is her name. She's the general counsel for the CIA and a Trump appointee. And she made the referral weeks before the whistleblower complaint was made public. The Department of Justice has said they were unclear as to whether she was making an actual criminal referral because it was in a phone call. But she was acting under the rules set forth in a memo governing how intelligence agencies should report allegations of federal crimes. And Barr learned of the call in the days that followed the the conference call where she says we need to open a criminal referral. And the Department of Justice is saying they didn't consider it a real criminal referral because it wasn't written down. Hmm. So they didn't even consider that one. Yeah. I was just listening to a story on NPR, well, their ongoing story reporting on this, and, and they were really laying out that the whistleblower really wanted to go through our intelligence communities more so than going straight to like you know obviously the department of justice and and so that's that's unsurprising to me i guess to hear that that reached and affected that person enough to the point that they did that yeah and then i mean we we went over the story that he wasn't getting any traction Mm -hmm. uh and eventually filed a formal complaint and then well he went he went to a staffer in the house intelligence committee right and said i am trying to file a fucking thing and nobody's fucking listening yeah and, and so and all that person did and it wasn't adam schiff it was a staffer said 
you have to follow the procedure, file this way, Mm -hmm. give it to the ICIG, blah, blah, blah. That'll go to the DNI and then it'll go through the proper channels. And Mm -hmm. then the DNI held it back. So they fundamentally didn't trust that process is probably why they didn't do it. I imagine they were familiar enough to know that that's like technically what you should have done. Yeah. And they were correct. Mm -hmm. because things were working properly. Mm -hmm. Because (laughs) it got held up. It got obstructed. Um, Whether it was DOJ and Trump telling the DNI to not give it to Congress or whether we believe the DNI when he says, oh, I was just looking for guidance because this could be executive privilege. Uh, McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. He seems. Yeah. I know we said this last time, but he does seem more trustworthy than another appointee could have been, I guess. I yeah, like watching the clip, like like you said on the previous episode, like the State Department Inspector General mm-hmm. who, who handed over all the Rudy shit in the mm-hmm. envelope. Fucking <laughs> here's a bunch of bullshit. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah no, McGuire seems like he is very frustrated about being right. put in this position. He was like, oh god damn it. Yeah, he's just like wrapped up in all. But of it. also at the same time, if you he only he was in the job for six weeks. Like, if you joined the Trump administration in 2019, don't you know what you're getting into? Seriously. Like, should we feel bad for him? And because... all, all you had to fucking do was follow the law and give yeah. it to Congress. That's yeah. all you had mm-hmm. to fucking do. Yeah. And this whole song and dance about, oh, I wanted to make sure. I, I don't, I personally don't buy it. Yeah. I don't, especially since the whistleblower said that he, that he or she was like, I don't trust this process. Yeah. You know, that kind of gives credence to this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, allegation that they would, they would obstruct they would stonewall and they did mcguire was just mcguire was trying to quell public anger and with his, his emotional and his whole thing is you got yeah. it right you have it now right yeah, yeah. And it's like fuck you dude yeah a week late mm-hmm. yeah but eat shit you know don't i don't know don't give me that <laughs> like i i don't know i i appreciate where he's coming from and i you know as as i said i i was kind of trying to get him an excuse by saying he's so chain of command oriented that he felt like he had to go to his bosses because this is a very unprecedented thing. It's not a regular um, whistleblower complaint. It's got to do with the president and the attorney general. But then you don't ask the president and attorney general what to do mm-hmm. in that I personally wouldn't. I, I would say Congress is a co-equal branch of government. And it says right in the law to go to Congress. I yeah. would have just followed the fucking law. Yeah, I can read. I don't know. Yeah. I need to find the interview that I'm remembering because they also referenced that during that first portion or first attempt basically to go through these other channels um, than the channels they ultimately wound up going through. They also wound up bringing it up to like a higher person at the like White House Council, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So even so I think two separate times it was decided that you have to go to them first. Yeah. So I'll find that. Though. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Which... I- and then I remember the correspondent or whoever was the expert on the issue on air was saying that that is actually closer to protocol than it seems. As unfortunate as it is that they're the subject of the investigation, that's just kind of how it's written out. Well, Susan Rice had said that in an interview with Maddo, too. But, you know, in regards to other things, uh, other situations, because I think Maddo asked her, like, what do you do if you find the president's trying to interfere in 2020? And she goes, well, we would uh, alert the department of justice and yeah. we would alert the executive alert the president <laughs> and Maddo's like you would tell the person who's doing it and she goes we th- we don't have we don't that's yeah. how we do it mm-hmm. how do you not alert the executive branch mm-hmm. about something like that and it, w- it kind of reminds me of when uh the transition when trump was coming in and obama and the intelligence communities were like do we even brief him on the fact that we're we've got wiretaps up his ass right now because he's a fucking criminal and he's you know it, colluding to 
interfere in the election? Do we even, what do we brief him on? Like, what do we tell him, you know, tell him about the P tapes and, and call it a day? Like, mm-hmm. what do you even do? And I know that they were struggling with that too. So we have a lot more news to get to. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Native Deodorant. This is my new favorite deodorant. Jordan, I know you love it too, because I was searching forever for a safe, simple, clean, and effective deodorant uh, with no aluminum that stands up to my workouts, because I work out like five days a week. And I finally found it. It's called Native, um, and you don't have to take my word for it. They have over 8,000 five-star reviews, and they've been featured on the Today Show, in Women's Health Magazine, Elle, Good Morning America, Pop Sugar, Nylon, Hello Giggles, and more. They're just absolutely outstanding product. I'm I've never been shocked by a deodorant, but this one did. First, they have simple ingredients, right? Less is more with Native. And you'll know everything that's in the deodorant. And they have something for everyone. They have scents for those who identify as men or women. They have neutral scents. They have an unscented formula. Uh, and they have baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. So wherever you fall on whatever spectrum you're on, they have you covered. And their scents include coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, and eucalyptus and mint. Uh, I started with the lavender and rose, and then I got the eucalyptus and mint because I wanted to try that. It's absolutely, it's so calming to me, and I love it. And it works. That's the most important part. I run a couple of 5Ks a week. I'm on my feet from the crack of dawn until after midnight, and Native has never let me down. And finally, there's no risk to try it because they offer free returns and exchanges in the U.S. Or you can subscribe and save 17% and have Native delivered to your door every one, two, three, or four months. So for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS at checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS. You'll be glad you did. All right, so late Thursday night, after we recorded Friday's Beans, we learned that Trump ordered Ukraine Ambassador Yovanovitch out, um, following complaints from Rudy Giuliani and others. Giuliani apparently accused her without any evidence of trying to undermine the president by blocking efforts to investigate Joe Biden. She was trying to block the effort. And according to sources for The Wall Street Journal, State Department officials said her removal was a priority for Trump. So this is Yovanovitch. This is the former uh, ambassador replaced by Volcker, who's the special envoy. Uh, And she was in she was recalled in May months earlier than expected. She's, she was supposed to testify on October 2nd, but that got delayed a week, and she'll be testifying this Friday. Um, and she's going to be testifying before the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Intelligence Committee, and Oversight Committee. And she was a career member of the Foreign Service. She had served in ambassadorships under three presidents. And when asked Thursday why Trump recalled her, he said, I don't know if I recalled her or if somebody recalled her, but I heard bad things about her for a very long period of time. He also disparaged her during the call with Zelensky, saying the former ambassador from the United States, the woman, okay, <clears throat> was <laughs> All right. was bad okay, news. <laughs> the woman was bad news, and the people she was dealing with in Ukraine were bad news. So I wanted to let you know that. And Zelensky said, "I agree with you 100%." To which Trump replied, "She's going through some things." She's hysterical. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's got the vapors. Like, what, like, what is it? What are you yeah, talking seriously. about? She's too talking emotional. Talking about a witch hunt. Um. <laughs> <laughs> a woman in politics has a feeling. Yeah. She's a witch. Yeah, exactly. Burner. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, him, the feelings of all feelings. Uh, yeah. Um, but totally emotionally stable. That's also pretty much the exact same reasoning he used for Comey. No, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. that he's just universally unliked, and I can't give you more details on that. Going but everyone else stuff. hates him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing. Just nothing to do with news. me trying to cover up bad news investigations into Nut me. Nut job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know what's funny? I was just thinking 
she, if she was only fired in May, she lasted a lot longer than non-Trump ambassadors in other countries because when he first got elected, he just started clearing people out, like at every level of government who mm-hmm. didn't agree with him. So Yeah, and we're finding out now that he's just this weekend, the stories come out that he's now doing a, a liquidation sale in the National Security Council. God, and that's so scary. We'll get to that. But Friday, we also learned from the Wall Street Journal that Republican senator from Wisconsin, one Ron Johnson, mm. told the Wall Street Journal that he had learned of a possible quid pro quo between Trump and Ukraine from one Gordon Sondland. That's the asshole in the text conversations. Johnson said he pressured Trump uh, said he, he he pressed Trump about potentially withholding $400 million in military aid in exchange for an investigation into Joe Biden in a phone call that Johnson and Trump had on August 31st. And Trump responded, no way, I would never do that. Who told you that? Who t- <laughs> I didn't do that. Who told you that? <laughs> and Ron Johnson, this is the senator, mm-hmm. the Republican senator. I don't know why he told the Wall Street Journal this. I was gonna, Yeah, I'm trying to figure out the angle on that. That maybe would help. Uh, But he asked the Department of Justice earlier this week to look into Clinton's ties with Ukraine and questioned the narrative that Biden's actions in Ukraine had nothing to do with his son. However, Ron Johnson also signed on to a 2016 letter that mirrored Biden's work to remove that corrupt Ukraine prosecutor general. So Johnson told The Wall Street Journal he asked Trump about the quid pro quo and heard about it from Sondland. And who is Sondland? We'll, we'll get we'll get more into Sondland in a bit. He's just an asshole. Just trust me. So he's a he's a Trump he's a Trump sympathizer though. Yeah. So maybe maybe he's saying maybe he's coming out saying that he asked him, and the whole point of this was to show that Trump rejected. Said he didn't it. do it. Yeah. That's all I can think of. But it's just fucking. And also Trump's trying ju- to. You've just confirmed that Sondland said there was a quid pro quo. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't even think of the backstory on it. Yeah. He was like, yeah, so your sister who, you know, your your uh, husband fucked came to me and said, yeah, I fucked I fucked your sister. Uh, and then I asked his sister about it and she said, no, I didn't. <laughs> like yeah. like yeah. you just basically outed everything to yeah. get that Trump reaction. He could have just said I had a phone call with Trump. He said he didn't know what he said. But why did you even pick up the phone and call him? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think it was Ron Johnson who I saw in a video this morning or yesterday. Um, And uh, I think it was Chuck Todd from MSNBC who was questioning him. And he was like, he was like, we have these text messages. We have all this information. Like, and and Ron Johnson was like, yeah, but Trump said it wasn't quid pro quo. So I, you know, you have to go with what the president says. And Chuck Todd was like, on what planet? Right. That's, yeah. like, that's <laughs> like, like what Trump believed Putin when he yeah, said that's they exactly didn't what I interfere. Thinking. Yeah. Uh, interfere in our elections. Oh, Mohammed bin Salman said he didn't do it. So I believe him. You're yeah. Like, mm-hmm. What the fuck are you? This is not about your feelings, bro. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Don't have any emotions. We're women. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about Sondland a little bit later. But first, let's talk about Pence, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Okay. Pence is <laughs> fucked. <laughs> We already knew he traveled to Warsaw to meet with Zelensky and he pushed him to investigate Biden with his words uh, or face the consequences of not being able to get his military aid. And, and, and Pence is probably deeper into this quid pro quo than Trump is. And I don't know if that was Trump's like by doing design. that on purpose. Yeah, by design. And, and like we said, that might have been Trump's way of keeping the pressure off himself. It might have worked had he not himself released the memo about his phone call with Zelensky. Uh, But on Friday, 
three committees leading the impeachment inquiry sent letters, see, uh, sent a letter, one letter together, seeking documents from Pence. They're giving him till October 15th. And I'll go ahead and put some beans on a subpoena for Pence because I assume he'll obstruct Congress and fail to cooperate with the voluntary request, probably citing some sort of executive privilege, mm-hmm. which doesn't cover criming. Uh, but a spokesperson for Pence says the Democrats' letter does not appear to be serious, but rather an attempt by the do-nothing Democrats to call attention to their partisan impeachment. If we're, if we're doing a, a partisan impeachment, that's something. We're not do-nothing Democrats. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh, Despite their efforts to distract... This is Pence's spokeswoman again. Despite their efforts to distract and disrupt our agenda, this administration will stay focused on ripping families apart, detaining children indefinitely, and shooting migrants in the legs to slow them down. Sorry, I'm laughing. I'm kidding. That's not funny at all. Um, (laughs) What he did was (laughs) she actually said she actually said they'll stay focused on creating jobs, securing our border, and rebuilding our military. Mm -hmm. But I figured I'd put in the truth. Um, Trump echoed this uh, that this week in a letter to Pelosi, saying he won't comply with any document requests until she has a full vote and opens an official impeachment inquiry. Um, Or as we said in San Francisco, it's only impeachment if it comes from the impeachment region of France. Uh, And I need to be clear about this. And this is what Pelosi is saying, too. And this Mm -hmm. is what Cummings has said. This is everyone's shift. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you have to have a full House vote to officially open impeachment inquiry. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is say that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. If they wouldn't vote on Merrick Garland, we don't need to vote for this. Hell yeah. Oh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Clap back. Burn. Just saying. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, we could have... I, you don't want to vote on our 250 bills that we've passed, McConnell? We're not going to do this. Yeah. Um, Grant Stern retweeted this Time article that kind of goes through the possibility, basically, of Pelosi becoming the next president mm-hmm. and juxtaposes it with what happened during Watergate where Agnew was being um, prosecuted criminally for bribery and then his defense his defense counsel actually is who wrote the time article so it's really interesting he came out and said their defense was what i imagine effectively is you can't indict like a sitting vice Vice president president. Mm -hmm. so the only way you can remove him is to impeach him so go ahead go try to impeach him he asked for his impeachment right and Mm -hmm. so then and then agnew asked to be impeached right and so then he winds up he winds up resigning, right? In which case he was able to put in Ford. Nixon was able to put in Ford. And yeah. Then, yeah. But if that didn't happen and he wound up being impeached and Nixon wound up resigning, then the House Speaker at the time was going to be president. And there was a really cool letter that just another counsel, I forget what his name is, but but like a, an attorney basically was requested to write to the House Speaker as essentially a how to take over the presidency. Mm. And it's 21 pages long and it's public and I put it on my Twitter. And it's so interesting because it literally just goes through all of the housekeeping things that you do when you take over the presidency as the Speaker of the House. So it's like day one, you know, do this, 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 and this within the first week, do this, 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 and this. And it has all this wow. information Refill on Refill the messaging. toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Um. Sanitize everything. <laughs> yeah. But it's just so, it's so interesting to, because it really, you really get a sense of what the House Speaker has to do to assume that role yeah. quickly and effectively. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. And that could potentially, like, if anything, Pelosi seems to be more so in that position than the speaker i think alberts was his name back, yeah back in during watergate but with this stuff coming out with pence it's totally reasonable because right. pence is now part of the impeachment inquiry right but the only thing is now pence just can't go down significantly before trump because then trump's going to be able to put a trump sympathizer in his place yeah before he gets Who, out they have to make they have to get through the senate though yeah but i think it's a simple majority yeah 
That's I feel true. like Trump, that's yeah, that's true. I'm like freaking operating off of a just <laughs> world here. So <laughs> I feel like there is no universe in which Trump or sorry, Pence wasn't implicated because I feel like Trump is enough of a petty bitch that he's like, if I'm going down, you're going down too, baby. Yeah, that's like, true. I don't feel like he would I like so. allow Trump uh, Pence to stay clean yeah. in any of this. I hope so. Yeah, but I care. mean, like, what do you do to get them out at the exact same moment? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess you would have to impeach them both at the same time and then have their trial in the Senate. But the Senate could probably set up some rule where they'd be yeah. like, yeah, we're going to convict and remove them both, but we're going to convict and remove him 10 minutes before we convict mm-hmm. and remove him. Like, there's got to be some, because the Republicans right. aren't going, in the Senate are not going to let it be that Nancy Pelosi gets to take over the oh, presidency. Yeah. there would be so much pushback on that. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. So they'll probably set up something, which they can do. I mean, impeachment is so rare that I'm assuming there could be conditions upon removal of the president mm-hmm. if we try and convict him, which I don't I, I don't know we can get the White Horse prophecy working here. And I'll, I'll tell you what the White Horse prophecy is. We've been saying this since the Mueller, since we started in 2017, that <clears throat> there's this uh, old defunct now, not believed anymore, Mormon urban legend <laughs> um, or Mormon still sub- believe it. suburban legend, I guess, <laughs> um, <laughs> where we're basically at some point, they say at some point in the future, uh, our, our democracy and the constitution will be hanging by a thread and a, 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 you know, a savior will come riding out of Utah on a white horse to Washington, D.C. And, re- and rescue the entire republic. And so we were thinking, oh, my God, what if it's Mitt Romney who convinces at the time, I think it was nine other senators mm-hmm. to uh, vote for impeachment. Now it's 20. So the Romney nine went to the Romney 20. I think the nine was not a correct number. But in any case, we called it the Romney nine. And, and now it's the Romney 20. And that's the white horse prophecy where Romney actually convinces his fellow Republican senators to vote for removal of, of, the, of the corrupt president. And mm-hmm. so and now he's out there tweeting China's best. And <clears throat> he's like, this is terrible. And then and then Trump tweets, you're a pompous ass, calls him an ass. And then <laughs> and then in response, Romney just tweets him and his family at a pumpkin patch. He's like, here we are. Happy, happy October. Yeah. He's like, I'm not an ass. I'm a horse. Yeah. <laughs> a white a horse. horse. I'd leave it to Mormons Ride to call it, to designate horse. it specifically a white, white horse. horse. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of just calling it a unicorn. Yep. <laughs> what it is. And then it's like. <laughs> clean and what are they. <laughs> oh, they're just horrible. I know. As if the white is not implied, you know, <laughs> as is in the word Mormon. But they're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do they call like snowflakes? Like white miracles. <laughs> <laughs> All miracles are white miracles because Jesus is white. Trump's probably jealous that sure. Romney's kids like him. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. About anything yeah. else. Yeah. And that Romney's fuckable. Yeah, <laughs> Romney Romney is hot and I stand by that one. You have some interesting crushes, I, okay. What was the one recently? Oh, Anthony Scaramucci. I'm never letting you live that down. The Mooch, Nunez. I'm upset. <laughs> God. Nunez Scaramucci is very is low on the totem pole. But Mitt Romney, truly the hottest Republican, I think, around. <laughs> name, no a hotter, name a hotter Republican. Literally no one on this podcast has daddy issues. Not one of us on this podcast has daddy issues. Joe Walsh is pretty hot. Yeah, I think he, he looks like tiny though. Yeah, he looks small. Which for right. me, that's a personal preference thing. Eh? The mooch is tiny. <laughs> the mooch has to be like five foot six. Yeah, that's the mooch true. is a little guy. His that's ego true. is so big though. But oh. so is Joe Walsh. I just only see his tiny head on Twitter all the time. Tiny head on Twitter. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> like you're sizing him up by their <laughs> yeah, Twitter. Yeah, he could be like eight feet tall for all I know. <laughs> eight feet tall. Oh my God. All yeah. right, we we have more headlines. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants, so he switched to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply for his position. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first 24 hours. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S. ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Beans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, guys, welcome back. I wanted to bring to your attention, I thought this was interesting, something that the mainstream media sort of skipped over in the text messages between Volker, Taylor, and Sondland that were released this week. On July 19th, this is six days before that call happened with Trump and Zelensky, Volker and Sondland, um, both State Department employees, uh, were discussing the goals of the July 25th Trump-Zelensky call. And Sondland says, looks like POTUS call is tomorrow. I spoke to Zelensky directly. He's got it. Uh, And Volker replied, good, had breakfast with Rudy this morning, teeing up call with Yermak Monday, must have helped. Most important is for Zelensky to say that he will help investigation and address any specific personnel issues. Uh, And so, you know, that's he's talking about the Burisma Biden investigation and looking into 2016, saying that it wasn't Russia or getting it, hinting it that it wasn't Russia. And then we get to July 22nd, where Volcker tells Sondland that Rudy is now advocating for the call um, with Yermak and that he will call Fiona's replacement and Bolton if needed. But I can tell Bolton and you can tell Mick Mulvaney that Rudy, Rudy agrees on a call if it's needed. And everyone sort of skipped over Fiona. But that name stuck out to me because when I was running over a list of potential whistleblowers, I was like, who could the whistleblower be? Um, on a Friday night, I was doing that like cool people do. <laughs> and I remember that an anti-Putin Russia hawk named Fiona Hill had resigned her post in mid-July. She was recruited by KT McFarlane and, and Michael Flynn, but was notoriously staunch on Putin. And according to interviews, always felt like she'd be fired because of her public assertions that Putin was motivated to interfere in our elections. She always kind of fell down on fell on that side of the fence. And she came from the Brookings Institution, which Trump is not fond of. And she'd even worked previously with Chris Steele, uh, perhaps one of mm. Trump's greatest <laughs> nemesis. <laughs> Hill, he, <clears throat> Hill even helped craft the response to the Russian Skripal Novichuk attack. She was the one who wanted to decided that we would expel 60 Russian intel, intelligence officers from the United States, a move that Trump was reported, reportedly furious about behind closed doors. It was too many that she expelled. So I just want you all to know she resigned her post uh, at the NSC just seven days prior to the phone call with Zelensky. <clears throat> and don't forget, Yovanovitch was also pushed out before the Ukraine scandal began because she probably, because she wasn't on board with, um, you know, uh, withholding aid. And Giuliani complained about her as well to Trump. She's trouble. She's bad news. Woman, the woman. Um, <clears throat> she was ambassador to Ukraine? <clears throat> yeah, at the time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was jo- Yovanovitch. Uh, but Fiona Hill was this um, head of, uh, she was the... And on the NSC, you said? Yeah, yeah on the NSC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and perhaps even Sondland, you know, 
complained about her because others, it was Giuliani and others complained about uh, Yovanovitch. So I think Sondland was probably part of that. And in the news this weekend, we learned that Trump is making other NSC cuts. And this is what I was talking to you about earlier. Um, This comes on the heels of him publicly asking China to interfere in 2020. And the news we got that in a call, we we also learned this over the weekend, this is breaking, a call between Trump and Xi happened that was also hidden in that code word classified server. And in that call, Trump promised to keep quiet about Hong Kong protests in exchange for an investigation into Biden. Wow. And much of the NSC, a National Security Council, were upset with the White House's silence on the pro-democracy protests, because generally we come out in favor of those things pretty vocally. Democracy. As yeah. a concept. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And he was not. He was staying silent. And now we know why. We have this call mm. um, between uh, President Xi. And uh, we thought it was going to be, a, you know, he was threatening an escalation of the trade war, which mm-hmm. he, he also may, may or may not have done. But I didn't even think about keeping quiet on the Hong Kong protests as, right. as the quid for the, the Biden quo. So Trump is seemingly stripping the NSC of people now who could blow the whistle on him for asking foreign governments to interfere in the mm-hmm. 2020 election. And I just didn't want y'all to miss the Fiona Hill connection there. She, she, I think she might come. She might have more importance in this story than yeah. is coming out. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. see her testify to committees. <laughs> that would be great. Mm-hmm. Who's testifying later this week? Is it Volker? Yovanovitch. Yovanovitch. Volker already testified. Okay. Okay. Right. right. And I think Sondland is coming up this week, too. Sondland. If he, if he agrees to. Um, he seems like a dick, so I don't yeah. know if he's going to. He might hide behind State Department or executive privilege or right. something. Right. He'll blow Corey Lewandowski. Yeah. <laughs> the same thought where, like, maybe he'll come, but he'll be a dick. <laughs> yeah, a punchable face, as AG says. <sighs> what a dick. Yeah. Some people just have punchable faces. And, like, I don't advocate violence, but... You're right. You just look like that. Mm-hmm. Jacob, <laughs> Jacob Wool. Yeah. Like, have you seen your face? Yeah. <laughs> Resting punchable face. <laughs> Resting punchable face. <laughs> I, um, sorry. No, go ahead. Fund your public radio station, though, because, like, hearing that about silence about Hong Kong protests, I hear so much about it only because of NPR. Otherwise, I wouldn't know anything, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know CNN and other major outlets are also reporting on it, but for really in-depth oh, reporting on analysis... They only cover it when there's violence. Ex- yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say that the only coverage mainstream media or the cable news networks can be doing of the Hong Kong protests is like, the violence is escalating. This is what's happening. Yeah, look at the airport when they tried to break in. Yeah, it's they, it's more about the yeah, stuff chaos get ratings. That, that the, you know, the chaos it's causing for average people as opposed to the like in-depth, thoughtful political nuance of what the hell is going on over there yeah totally yeah um and it also makes me wonder if this is something that past presidents have done too honestly not Mm -hmm. to get all conspiracy theory or anything yeah but just thinking about how much civil unrest exists in that country and how uneducated i personally have been on it all the way up until i'm I'm sure they have talks like this like they're they're i have no problem with a president calling another president and saying what do you want my messaging to be on this and and stuff but to say it depends on whether or not you dig up dirt on a political opponent of mine in the next election that's where you start getting into absolutely illegal territory Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's not even a a gray area Mm -hmm. and then i don't know if this is later in my script so i'm sorry if this is going to be repetitive but rick perry resigned oh yep Mm -hmm. and he's part of this now he's wrapped up in this because rick perry was part of the delegation that went to the Zelensky inauguration 
um, in in Pence's place. <laughs> That's right. Didn't he send him instead? Yeah. Because he was supposed to send Pence and then Trump hadn't gotten what he wanted yet. So he was like, you'll take Perry instead. Yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get Rick Perry. Yeah. <laughs> you get a you get a D list. Yeah. I don't want I don't want to step on your breaking news, but do you have more about Perry later? Uh, I don't know. Okay, because I'll just say it now then. Go ahead. Did you see the headline that Perry, it's either Perry or Trump is coming out saying that Perry was the one that pressured. Oh, Trump is, is pinning the call on, on Rick yeah. Perry now. Yeah, he, he's actually saying, I didn't even want to make the call. Rick Perry made me do it. Yes. Rick Perry made me <laughs> do it. The secretary of energy. Can yes. we have a t-shirt that said Rick Perry made me do it, please? It's freaking hilarious. Like the secretary of energy is pressuring you but to you, make a But you can only wear that shirt when you wake up uh, after a night of heavy drinking in a gutter somewhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> covered in trash. Rick Perry made me do it. Rick Perry made me do it. But maybe maybe that was a narrative that Perry started hearing was about, was circulating and he was like fuck this I'm dipping out and then he left. I think or Rick Perry wants I he think was gonna leave. Rick Perry look here's the here's the long and short of it. The, the Trump feels protected because of the OLC memo that says you can't indict a sitting president. No mm-hmm. one else is protected by that. And so everyone Pence from Pence on down, Perry, uh, Volcker resigning, all of these people are going to give up and fucking cooperate mm-hmm. because they could go to jail. Mm-hmm. They are prosecutable. They are not protected by an OLC memo. So mm-hmm. you're going to start seeing, and, you, and we already have started seeing, the rats abandon the sinking ship because and Rick Perry is one of them and I just imagine him skipping out of the White House in that hat with the stripy vest that he did (laughs) (laughs) dancing with the star I just keep putting that gif everywhere Uh, I think I tweeted out oh my god Trump Trump blames the phone call on this guy and then put that gif out there Um, I think about the gif of Sean Spicer dancing in that in the green ruffles like in my sleep I fall asleep thinking about it I'm sorry that it happens to you I know it's true (laughs) really bright green you should start a gofundme to, i don't know get some, get some emdr to erase that shit yeah someone pay for my therapist to erase the image of sean spicer dancing in green ruffles thank get, you so much get one of those uh men in black <laughs> mind zappers oh not to God, minimize it, actual people who need therapy this is true obviously <laughs> i'm one i think, one. We, yeah, I one. I think we all fall under that yeah category. you know what let's i have i have had MD, emdr to erase some Me too. shit if yeah. you and it's fantastic think it you works. don't need therapy you're wrong yep i agree <laughs> everybody needs therapy and if especially you especially in today's especially with this yes climate if you can mm-hmm. afford to get therapy if you have the resources to get therapy get therapy because if you're not i promise you that your girlfriend is probably your therapist and you don't even realize it yeah <laughs> dudes <laughs> dudes attention dudes this is for dudes only it's true um we I'll, do enough work for free in this country <clears throat> I don't even know what compensation for our emotional labor <laughs> and uh, you guys also on friday also on friday the House Dems have subpoenaed the White House. They subpoenaed the White House for a vast array of documents, not only concerning the Ukraine scandal, but the cover-up as well. Um, this system, by the way, the code word classified system we keep referring to, it has a name. It's called NICE. NICE. Yeah, so I, I learned that there are three levels of storage. The first is TNET, which sounds like Skynet and freaks me out. Uh, TNET stands for Top Secret Network. So Top Secret Network, TNET. Uh, and that connects to JWIX, which is a more widely used system in the executive branch, um, whereas TNET is for the national security team at the White House. Uh, and TNET keeps track of who created or uploaded files, who looked at them, who modified them, and who printed them. But most of the, uh, the most sensitive files go to NICE. 
That's the NSC Intelligence Collaboration Environment. Mm. Nice. <laughs> only, <laughs> only about 20% of NSC members are nice users. Uh, a former official said it would be a violation of an executive order governing classified information to mark something classified at an unjustifi- unjustifi- unjustifiably higher level to conceal violations of the law or to prevent embarrassment. Sounds like it should go without saying. You'd think, but they did say it in an executive order. Uh, and the the Ukraine call was marked secret. That's lower than top secret. So that's not even T-net material. And he put it in nice. So I wonder if that executive order lays out the you know route to discovering and punishing people that violate it. No, usually generally not. You just mm. have to come up with that shit on your own, usually from the Office of Legal that Counsel, seems like who a huge I just oversight. don't even trust. I know, yeah. right? I think probably after this presidency. More laws. And that's one, one thing I wanted to tell you that I thought of you uh, the other day, because Ruth Bader Ginsburg was doing uh, was speaking, and she was talking about how the times that we live in are abhorrent uh, and, uh, you know, uh, just awful. But she says um, that she was reading, I'll have to look up the quote, but she was reading um, that, you know, that, th- this works like a pendulum and we are if it swings like really far to the right that means it's going to swing really far back the other way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she says i hope i can witness the swing back Whoa. in my lifetime oh rbg but i thought of you because you we we've we've before talked a lot about that pendulum and how how you know I've talked about a Khalil Gibran quote, like the deeper sorrow digs into your soul, the larger mm-hmm. the well to hold happiness. And so the same with the the further you pull the pendulum one way, the further back it's going to swing. And I just loved when she says, I hope I get to see that in my lifetime. I mm-hmm. thought that was really great. But anyhow, uh, the White House subpoena. This is the White House subpoena. It's addressed to Mick Mulvaney and fuck that guy. Um, Mick Mulvaney is the acting chief of staff. He's also the guy who gave that speech when they moved the USDA uh, jobs, scientist jobs from D.C. to Kansas City. He's the one who came out and said in a speech to Republican donors, hey, it's really hard to fire government employees. So you know what? We found a way. Mm -hmm. We moved their jobs across country. Mm -hmm. Half of them quit. How great is that? Uh, And um, I may or may not have personal experience with that. I can't talk about it. But the acting chief of staff, uh, Mick Mulvaney, um, has, has until October 18th. Uh, for these documents to be handed over. And most of the documents are typically protected by executive privilege, but the Dems have said that any refusal would be an attempt to obstruct Congress, and that's an impeachable offense on its own. And now in response um, from Mulvaney and Trump, the White House says it will refuse to comply with any document request until they have a full House vote. Um, I I just keep having the full House theme in my head. (laughs) Uh, No Kimmy Gibbler episodes, please. Um, But the, the State Department had until the end of Friday to hand over their documents and missed its deadline. But reports say that they're working with House Dems to comply. Um, The Department of Defense has said it's preserving documents related to Ukraine, particularly the military aid and funding and the javelin sales and stuff like that. And it's becoming clear, like I said, perhaps none of the folks that would enjoy protection from indictment the way Trump does under the OLC memo uh, are willing to refuse to cooperate with this investigation. Everyone seems to be. And next week, Sondland and Yovanovitch will testify. Um, so to confirm what you were saying there. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Sondland, we learned Friday, he actually donated a million dollars to Trump's inaugural. Mm. No big. <laughs> <laughs> Just a million. Mm-hmm. So he's the ambassador to the EU. Uh, and he was the one in the text exchange. He's the asshole that appeared to be covering for Trump, denying a quid pro quo and like an official statement saying, mm-hmm. call me, we, we should stop texting. Um, Sondland was a hotelier 
Bef- mm-hmm. before being I've never heard that word before hotelier <laughs> darling <laughs> like our sommelier pirate like Trump is Trump a hotelier yeah oh yeah technically mm-hmm. He's He's a also an asshole name but also a hotelier shitty shitty work <laughs> I don't even think so though because I don't feel like Trump owns hotels as much as he just puts his name on them yeah he just he's a licenses out his name but he does own the one in DC that makes him a lot of emoluments cash mm. um, that should be like you know call 1-800-CASH-NOW emoluments you know (laughs) (laughs) it should be an emoluments payday loan Um, like money tree but anyway (laughs) So, so he was a hotelier in Oregon before being confirmed by the Senate in June of 2018 um and so that's who Sondland is and then we also found out a second whistleblower could come forward. Well, a third if you count the IRS whistleblower, which I'll get to in a second. But from a story in the New York Times, a second intelligence official from the intelligence community is weighing whether to file his own formal whistleblower complaint to testify to Congress in the Ukraine matter. And this is according to two sources briefed on the matter. The official is said to have been interviewed by the ICIG after the first whistleblower filed their complaint. And this potential whistleblower has firsthand knowledge of the call and and corroborated the first whistleblower's account. So we learned this likely... Um, through the ICIG's testimony behind closed doors on Friday about how he um, substantiated the original whistleblower account that led him to make the determination that mm-hmm. their complaint was urgent and credible. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the reason the second person hasn't filed an official complaint, and it's funny because when I wrote this, this is what I believed, and then the Washington Post came out with a story confirming it today. Um, so I, I had conjecture and I was right without even having a show uh, <laughs> to do it on. But I, I, I thought that the reason the second person had had not filed an official complaint um, and is just weighing it is because he may not have to since he was interviewed by the ICIG as part of another complaint and that could subsume him into the protection of the first whistleblower. Um, I, I say I'm not clear on that protocol, but apparently that's what's happening, um, though they might have him file a, an official whistleblower complaint just to have it on the books, you know, to go through the the right channels. But I believe that there's some behind the scenes legal counsel being like, if you were part of an ICIG investigation into another whistleblower complaint, you don't have to file your own whistleblower complaint. Your complaint comes with this. One. Right. Like you get this guys. <clears throat> right. So <laughs> it's a twofer. Yeah. <laughs> so whether we get this uh, person's account from a formal complaint or whether we get it from his testimony, we will get it. And, and he's the second person. So we're gonna be right back uh, really nice. quick with uh, just schadenfreude is good today. So hang on a minute. This episode of The Daily Beans is brought to you by Privacy.com. Privacy.com lets you buy things online using encrypted virtual card numbers instead of your actual card numbers. And that protects your identity and your bank information from getting out there on the internet or being, you know, subject to hackers. Because every time we shop online, we know this, we're exposing our personal and banking information to merchants and data partners. And, and that often happens without our permission. And if you're shopping on an open Wi-Fi network, your banking and credit card information is also at risk. Or, you know, you, you do that little... A card swipe at the gas station. People are hacking into those. But privacy.com is a free tool that helps us manage our finances online without sharing our actual banking info or card numbers. So basically, they encrypt your info using virtual card numbers so your real banking information is protected and concealed. So if something does happen, if someone does hack your card number, they're hacking a virtual card number, not your actual card number. And that's great because then you don't have to change your card number everywhere if it's compromised. Um, so the, it's convenient, it's secure, but it, it's not just about keeping your info hidden. They also have other tools like helping you set spending limits for yourself at certain merchants so you don't blow your retirement on Lululemon like I'm about to. But 
Uh, unlike credit cards, privacy.com does not sell your data to huge vendors, Facebook. And we're very familiar with uh, how that information can be manipulated and used, and that's bad. So they do not do this, and that's wonderful. So head to privacy.com slash dailybeans, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S, to sign up and start shopping. And as a special treat for our listeners, new customers will automatically get 5 bucks to spend on your first purchase wherever you want. Free money to use on any online purchase. So go to privacy.com slash dailybeans and sign up now. All right, guys, welcome back. As we know, Thursday, Trump asked China to investigate Joe Biden. Uh, We went over that and the implications in Friday's Daily Beans, but Thursday's comments weren't the first time Trump raised Biden with Xi. Despite saying Thursday he never pushed Xi to investigate Biden, Trump and Xi had a phone call on June 18th where Trump raised Biden's political prospects along with Elizabeth Warren's. Mm. And now uh, we thought for sure Trump was going to use... The escalating trade war, like I said, we'd already gone over this. I thought he was going to threaten a trade, like to ramp up the trade war with China to pressure Xi to investigate Biden. Uh, but we're learning now that he he decided to remain quiet on the Hong Kong protests. And we also learned that a record of that call was stored in NICE, the, the, the code word classified system. As if Trump would even have anything eloquent to say about the protests that would be motivating in any way whatsoever. I wouldn't be like surprised if... he couldn't if, even say important shit if he I, tried. I wouldn't be surprised if President Xi was just like, just don't say anything. Yeah. It's better for everyone. Yes. Uh, and... W- Warren responded on Twitter by saying Trump can say what he wants about me, but it's outrageous that any president would sell out the people of Hong Kong behind closed doors. Uh, And I'm glad that she said that because everyone's so focused on the Biden G quid pro quo. Everyone's forgetting about the people. Well, not everyone's forgetting about the people of Hong Kong, but I'm glad she brought light to this, that you would sell out the people of Hong Kong. Uh, She says the public must see the transcript of the call with Xi. We need a leader who will stand up for our values, pro-democracy values. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's not a hard thing. It's what America is supposed to be about. It's what what we do. Got it. In the right world, he is the easiest candidate to run against. It's fucking crazy. But he's just so, just the way he does, it's it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, Don't argue with an idiot. They'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience or something like that. That's, (laughs) that's what like debating Trump feels like. Uh, and Trump's failure to speak out against a crackdown against pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong has frustrated officials at the NSC, like I said, and, and State Department. They He's cleaning house there now. So um, because they've been advocating um, for a firmer pro-democracy stance yeah. from Trump on the Hong Kong stuff. And in other news, just just an, another side story here, the Supreme Court has announced it will hear its first big abortion case in the, of the Kavanaugh era. Uh, this case is out of Louisiana. It's called June Medical Services versus Gee. And at the heart of this case is a 2014 Louisiana law requiring abortion providers to have hospital admission rights. Um, the SCOTUS struck down a similar law in Texas in 2016, but the court looks a lot different than it did in 2016 since Kavanaugh replaced the more moderate Justice Kennedy. Is this um, Is this one of those things where it's like regulations that would make it super restrictive and hard for them to operate. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this would be nationwide instead of just in this specific Louisiana yeah. because okay. it's a SCOTUS case. So this could be the first step in dismantling Roe v. Wade. So vote. Yeah. The laws around this stuff too are so wild. Like I, you know, like your hallways have to be a certain right. width, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, the height, like just really insane stuff that have nothing to do with the per- stuff you're actually providing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. You have to have that 72 hour pre- exam before you have yeah. your yeah. pre pre exam and, mm-hmm. and they're medically it's it's state sanctioned. Yeah. So they're gonna de- they're gonna defund their work and then increase their costs in renovating their spaces so that they can be compliant. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Vote. Yes. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's the lesson. Vote in numbers too big to manipulate. And you guys it's time for Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. 
schadenfreude. So Friday's schadenfreude was about Jacob Wool's flaccid press conference with Jack Berkman claiming he had a 24, that he has a 24-year-old ex-Marine bodybuilder that has been uh, taking Elizabeth Warren to pound town. Well, <laughs> there's more. Uh, the retired Marine turned male escort stepped up to the podium alongside Wool and Berkman at this press conference and claimed that he engaged in a series of increasingly, quote, ludicrous sex acts with Warren (laughs) after meeting her on a male escort site called Cowboys for Angels, number four. The The crowd that had gathered in front of his townhome driveway Mostly hecklers. They were laughing, <laughs> laughing at them as Berkman yelled, "Are you laughing at our troops? Do you think his? Oh my God! Do you think his service in Afghanistan is funny?" And then Welly claimed uh, on the mic he served in combat in 2012 in Afghanistan and was injured but never got his Purple Heart because he didn't fill out the paperwork. And then in an interview with the Daily Beast after the press conference, he went on further telling him he'd lost members of his combat group when his convoy was hit by an IED and that he was grazed in the leg and bandaged the wound himself with duct tape. And then he said some stuff happened. It's personal. I'd need a lot more liquor to talk about it. Lost some men, essentially. And the Daily Beast got a hold of his service records. Uh, He wasn't in the Marines in 2012. Uh, He was in for two years, from 2014 to 2016, and he never went to Afghanistan. In fact, he never went anywhere. Uh, But not only did he lie about his service record, he lied about being an employee at Cowboys for Angels Escort Service. Daily Beast got his escort service records, (laughs) and they never heard of him. He never worked there. Oh, my God. (laughs) But it does exist, Cowboys for Angels. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good to know. The Cowboys for Angels was like the Marines. They're like, he never worked here. I just love that they have stolen valor. Yeah, for the Marine Corps sides. and from the escort service. Yeah. Ugh. Wow. You know what? First of all, Elizabeth Warren's husband seems absolutely lovely. I know You've he's adorable. Watched the interview with him, but if they were ethically non-monogamous and she had a younger boyfriend, like get it. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. I want a cougar for I don't president. Give a shit. I want a fucking cougar for president. And mm-hmm. she tweeted out. <laughs> she went to I think University of Houston, which is the Cougars, and she like like after this happened, she just sort of randomly tweeted out proud to be a cougar yeah <laughs> it was fucking awesome she should troll everyone and like hire a really buff like a cowboy hat wearing dude to just follow her around everywhere oh my god she, she like, could be a cowboy personally her husband should dress she she and her husband should dress as a cowboy and an angel for, mm-hmm. for halloween i think that would be fantastic yes. i hope she wears a cowboy hat to her next campaign rally. yeah <laughs> seriously yeah it. seriously she's like she has the right amount of feist, I, I think, yes. to, to like gracefully and intelligently combat these ridiculously stupid she and low-brow attacks. She is 70. I got to get her on Damn. her moisturizer Yeah, plan. right? Her skin looks amazing. I need to, I am 29 years old, and she my has skin a plan doesn't look as good as hers. for everything. I need to know what her, her moisturizing skin, plan What's her skincare plan? <laughs> what's her, I need that. Hey, just wondering. Good skin? I have a plan for that. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know what it is, because I look the same age as Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> She's incredible. She's also like a master debater. This is something I really love about her. Oh, she—that's what she got full exactly. scholarship for. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's and and it's, it's she's really talented, mm-hmm. and she's anyway. I could go on. Yeah, I love her. Yeah, yeah I'm a lesbian. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and on that note, that's our show uh, today. Daily Beans, Monday, October seventh, twenty nineteen. Um, Thank you all so much. Any final thoughts? I just, I had so much fun at that party. I just wanted to thank mm. you guys for coming yeah. with me. Yeah, that was great. 
big ups to Steph Miller. If you don't listen to her, which I don't know how you couldn't be if you listen to us, yeah. but definitely listen to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's yeah. so brilliant. No final thoughts for me. All right. That's me. And that's all I've got, too. That's me. I, <laughs> uh, that was weird. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> We're going to leave it in. We're not even going to edit it out. Yeah, see? You just get the raw AG. Uh, anyway, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is produced by AG, featuring Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our merchandising manager is Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jaleesa Johnson, and Jordan Coburn, with executive assistance by Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is dailybeanspod.com.